Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. Are you just starting out in private practice? Feeling overwhelmed by all the stuff there is to do by any chance? Paralysed by perfectionism or procrastination? Never fear, Psychology Business School has got your back and the good news is there's actually not that much you need to do to run your practice safely and effectively. Download our free checklist today to find out exactly what really matters. Tick off every box and you can see your first clients with confidence that you've done everything important. Get your free copy at psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash checklist. Hello and welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast. Today I'm talking to Martina Witter, founder of Rapper Therapy and Training Services and the host of the Rivers to Resilience podcast. Welcome, Martina. Thank you. It's great to be here. So it's wonderful to have you on the show and I've been following you on Instagram for a while. Um, But for everybody that isn't already following you, can you let us know who you are and who you help? Yes. So as um, Dr. Rose has already shared, I'm Martina Witter and um, I do many things. I've got many hats. One of them being I'm a cognitive behavioural psychotherapist. So I work with children and adults across the lifespan who are struggling with stress, anxiety, low mood, trauma. And I also deliver training around health and well-being to corporate organisations. And I'm a podcast host and also I'm an author of the book, Resilience in the Workplace. And I know that this concept of resilience is really at the core of everything that you do. And it's at the core of your podcast as well. Mm -hmm. But it can be a tricky concept, can't it? I've had it go down pretty badly in some workplace training that Mm -hmm. I've done. So can you unpack for us a little bit? What does resilience mean to you? Yes, yes. So resilience I love to use metaphors when I think about concepts. So I like to think about resilience as being a muscle. So it's something that that, that we can grow and something that we can develop, but we've got to be intentional about that. And it's about finding advantage in adversity. We're all guaranteed to face some type of challenges in life. I'm just thinking about more recently, the pandemic. And we've all, I'm sure we've all responded in in, in different ways to that adversity. So it's thinking about what are the resources that you've got internally and externally and how can you leverage them to successfully navigate through challenges and to grow. Essentially, when I think of resilience, it's about growth. So when I go to the gym or when, you know, if, if we're trying to tone our muscles, that journey and process can be, it can be difficult, it can be arduous, but you've got to be You've got to be focused and remain goal goal orientated, essentially focus on what that long term goal is. And with resilience, it is about building your yeah your tenacity when you're when you're facing challenging situations. And we can all do it. We can all build our resilience if we want to. But we've also got to count the cost as well. I I really like that idea because it it puts me in mind of kind of moving forward through the difficult stuff rather than denying that the difficult stuff is there Mm -hmm. and I think when when it becomes a bit toxic sometimes in you know training and consultancy that I've done is when people think oh well 
I, I must not be resilient if I show that I'm upset by something or if I ever say no. That was something that came out recently in a session that mm-hmm. resilience meant to some people that they must always say yes to everything mm-hmm. that the boss asked them to do. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, goodness, <laughs> understatement. That <Yeah>. is not <laughs> sounding very resilient to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that metaphor. It's a really nice way of explaining it. Mm-hmm. Can you say a bit about the seven rivers model that you yeah. use? Yeah. So the seven rivers to resilience model, it's a holistic model. So it looks at how an, in, how an individual can build their resilience. So the first river is emotional awareness, self-awareness and regulation. And that is the foundation of it initially, because if we are to build our resilience, we've got to locate ourselves and understand how resilient we are. So as a therapist, um, we always use you know a, a lot of rating. So I always ask people to think about their resilience and, and to rate it, to quantify it so you can locate yourself and then you know how you can build upon um, your resources and also if we don't know the areas that we're struggling in or where we're not as resilient how can we how can we build upon them so that's the first stage self-awareness and regulation and then also the second stage is looking at or second river should I say is cognitive training so looking at mindset training essentially which can help with building resilience because when someone is stressed or overwhelmed it has an impact upon you psychologically mentally and if you're not aware of that you're not able to to address your mindset or your thoughts or your your cognitions the third river is stress management stress burnout in the workplace is on the rise so it's critical that we've got tools in managing stress and resilience is a protective factor against um, stress anxiety and depression so that's why it is important to to build those, those strategies and then the fourth river is looking at physical health, fitness and exercise, looking at the yeah, physiological aspects of building resilience. And then the next river is looking at social connectedness and spirituality. So, yeah, connecting with people, looking at your network, looking at your support system and then spirituality, if that's something that um, resonates with, with an individual, if spirituality is important to someone, then being able to leverage that to build their resilience. And then the final two rivers are looking at developing and building a growth mindset and then looking at how someone can use self-affirmations to build their resilience. But it's about tailoring the resilience building process for the individual. And that's why it's it's holistic. And then focusing on those areas that are going to work for the individual. If you're not interested in exercise or going to the gym, well, don't do it. (laughs) I was talking about that on on my podcast recently with a guest. If you're more into into walking, well, do that. Or maybe just dancing. It's about doing what works for you and doing more of that rather than comparing yourself to others and how resilient they might be, because that's detrimental to someone's resilience and it's, it's counterproductive, essentially. Yes, I suppose it's a model which takes into account individual differences and individual circumstances because I'm guessing that there will be you know some people who when they come to you don't feel empowered to work on a particular area yet maybe there is things going on outside of their control Mm -hmm. which make that really challenging for them and it will continue to do so Mm -hmm. Um, but perhaps when you've done some work on some other areas then some creative 
part of their brain might kick in, which shows them that there is some action that they could could take. I'm thinking of, you know, I work with a lot of parents mm-hmm. who would be like, well, I can't do any exercise. I can't do any of that. And they would just shut that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but then actually when, you know, we've got a, a bit of trust, maybe they've worked on some other stuff, mm-hmm. then they can see, oh, actually, you know, I could, you know, put the baby in the sling, work, yes. walk a little bit further on the school run than I absolutely have to, or, mm-hmm. you know, there, there might be ways around it. Um, yeah. that aren't obvious at first mm-hmm. yeah and I, I love that you highlighted that about the individual differences and that's why with this model we included spirituality because for me I, you know I'm a spiritual person and I think when I consider like doing my um, training in cognitive behavior therapy and even when I did my undergrad in, in psychology spirituality wasn't something that, that that was addressed but a lot of people are spiritual and I feel like how can you ignore that because that is someone's someone's strength and it's about leveraging that and I, it makes me think of when I lost um, my mum at, at an early age and I know for me spirituality was really important and that community that I had around me really helped me to navigate through that and um, that's why it's there <laughs> and with mindfulness as well and mindfulness practices that's all class of spirituality so I think in these the current um culture it, it's it's spoken about a lot more and it needs to be integrated within i think it's important for it to be integrated and, and to be acknowledged within psychological therapies otherwise it can actually exclude individuals from accessing therapy i think that's a really good point i think definitely one of the criticisms that you can make of CBT in the way that we were trained in it I mean I will put my hands up and say Salomon's where I trained as a psychologist Mm -hmm. isn't the most CBT heavy course Mm -hmm. and so I always feel a little bit ignorant when I'm talking about straight CBT I I do a lot of third wave Um, (laughs) me too I have lots of third wave over here as well (laughs) (laughs) but I do I, I I did always feel that there was um an assumption that spirituality just wasn't wasn't part of people's um, psychological health mm-hmm. in the UK, perhaps. Yeah. In the way that it obviously is for a great many people. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, it can be a great source of strength for people. But also, if there's something compromising somebody's um, ability to express their spirituality, then it can be deeply painful. So if mm-hmm. they're part of a community that you know, maybe part of their lifestyle doesn't fit anymore, or you know that conflict that can be massive for mm-hmm. people. And to yeah. to not ask about it, to not have it as part of your formulation of what might be mm-hmm. going on for somebody, just seems absolutely bonkers to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it, I totally agree with you, and it's it's great just to even be having this discussion because historically, when I was working in the NHS, I think we'd probably ask about it, but it wasn't something that you would really follow up on and mm. so from my perspective that wouldn't really encourage an individual to to share about it and that can affect the, the therapy and and the treatment outcomes but but as I've developed as a as a therapist and as a professional and you know done my own research as well I've ensured that I integrate it into into therapy as and when needed and essentially you know you got it's important to be guided by the, the client and 
to include that within the, the, the formulation and to continue to kind of update it accordingly. I think it's really powerful that you've used your own personal experience to inform the model. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I often think that we do our best work when we allow that to happen. Yeah. I think often when, when therapy can seem a little bit kind of out of the box and mm -hmm. um, less effective is often when people are restraining themselves and not allowing themselves to reflect on what would mm -hmm. I need to be asked about if I was in the other chair. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds really powerful that you've taken that perspective from, mm -hmm. from the beginning of your creation of this yeah. model. And I feel, I feel liberated when I look at it. I just, yeah, I'm pleased of, of the final, um, the final model and the fact that I think for some, it, just for looking at it visually, I, I believe that people will feel that they're able to identify with it. And then that could also encourage them to seek a bit of support. And I have had people, you know, clients who have reached out to me for particular, um, for a particular reason because they know that I'm a kind of spiritual or, or religious person so I think it's about leveraging our difference essentially and that attracts your tribe or your ideal client doesn't it yeah I think that's really important and we can be really concerned about sharing ourselves yeah um, and I do understand that and I know that there are some modalities of therapy where that is really integral to, to the work. But for the type of therapy that I practice, it's not. And, it, and if I can share some personal experience, which is going to help people see that they're not alone, mm -hmm. then I really want to do that. Obviously yeah. always in a thoughtful way and a boundary yeah. way, but I think it's really important. And, mm -hmm. and this is a really great example of that where people feel able to talk to you about their spirituality because you haven't been afraid to talk mm -hmm. about it yes yeah and it's about giving them permission isn't it to to explore those areas um normalizing some of their experiences as well and just creating that safe space because essentially as a therapist or psychologist forget about the therapy or the treatment methods and the research you, initially you just need to connect on a human level you, there needs to be that authenticity in order for you to have a collaborative um, process or approach to therapy, then you can start using the strategies. But a lot of the research shows that actually it's that therapeutic relationship and alliance which determines the outcomes. And I've noticed that with some clients that I've worked with, I'm like, no, so, you know, so, so what's been most helpful? And <laughs> they've not said what I'd expected them to say. So that's really insightful for me as a therapist. And that's why. I've continually, continually focus on my personal development and focus on trying to give a bit more of myself within the therapeutic process, obviously adhering to professional boundaries, but that really helps to, yeah, helps the, the client to, yeah, just to, to engage. I was even doing that today with a young, with a young person who was struggling with motivation. I said, well, we all do. It's Monday. Do you think I really want to go to work? <laughs> Sometimes you just stop to, it's not about um, whether you want to do it or not. You just got to make that decision and be decisive because if we live by our emotions, <laughs> what would this world be like? <laughs> Such a good point. And I think it's really interesting because a couple of weeks ago I had um, 
Melanie Lee and Bridget Falkenstein on the podcast talking mm-hmm. about somatic integration processing. Mm-hmm. And that is a, it's an integrative therapy model, which basically brings in exactly what you're talking about. It gives you permission to spend time on the relational stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all super enthusiastic about that because as a trainee, I remember exactly like you were talking about being like, ah, but the strategies, I need to yeah. do more strategies. <laughs> um, and now, you know, after, you know, quite a while <laughs> of delivering therapy mm-hmm. and being in those relationships with people, you can just see, can't you, that, oh, it's the quality of the relationship between yeah. us that made the difference there. It's, yeah. not, it's not necessarily about which tool I chose to use mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Um but I think we all feel a bit guilty about that. And I just love models which give us permission <laughs> to do it. Yes. Yeah. And it, it, I think it just highlights that it's important that in in therapy or, you know, as a psychologist, you've got to be mindful of who, who you're working with. And it's important to take that individualized approach and not try and shove someone <laughs> in a box or, or to cause, you know, not, not trying, um, not trying to, lead them to kind of fitting into this narrow model because a lot of the models that they they're not based upon people who have got comorbidities <laughs> it's usually one presentation of that never that i'm yeah that very rare <laughs> yeah i mean when have you ever seen it i can't think of a time or when i have when i've then got to the end of session one i've been like nope <laughs> much more going on here yes and because people are always complicated aren't they Mm -hmm. yes um and so I think you know what's really nice about this approach is you've got all of that um kind of flexibility to jump Mm -hmm. around with people talk about different things and get the whole picture yes um rather than following a linear pathway Mm -hmm. uh, which is what often we're encouraged to do um Mm -hmm. in training it doesn't make sense whereas Mm -hmm. these kind of seven rivers all kind of flowing into one person that makes a lot more sense to me Mm -hmm. Um, yeah you know as a human being (laughs) yeah so what really sparked your passion for resilience work because you've done so much in this field yeah so I would say a lot of it is based upon my life experience essentially and unfortunately losing my mum at at such an early age when I was in my final year of university and I would say probably the past 10 years I was just kind of reflecting on how I got through it essentially and I say got through it unscathed but obviously losing someone that a loved one at an early age does have a yeah it will have a significant impact on you but somehow I managed to you know, finished my degree, I did well. And I was able to to use that experience to, I found advantage in, in adversity, essentially. And my mum was someone who was very, um, yeah, she had high standards and she wanted us all to, you know, I've got three other siblings, she wanted us to all succeed. So although losing my mum in the final year of my degree, was devastating it was it was my mum and that memory that actually motivated me because my mum you know she didn't have a degree so I felt like what I was doing I was fulfilling yeah her unfulfilled dreams essentially so that that's what drives a lot of um of what I'm doing and 
I would say all of my values and a lot of my, yeah, my personality, a lot of it, I'm quite similar to my mum, but unfortunately she didn't have certain opportunities. So that's what drives me a lot. And I would say that she, my mum, she personified resilience. So being, growing up, you know, I grew up in a single parent household. It was my mum, she had about three jobs. She was like a superwoman. She managed to send all of us to private school. I don't know how she did it. So that was my, um, that's my upbringing. So all I know is resilience. There's no other option but to be resilient. And, and that's what's allowed me to, to flourish as an individual. So whatever adversity I face, I know that I will get through it because I've got, I've got that resilient mindset. I'm very optimistic. I'm a glass half, um, half full and I've, I've got that growth mindset. But I, I think I've had to, it's been nurtured throughout all of my life. So it's um, almost trying to reverse engineer that and think, okay, so I had this upbringing, which almost gave me this mindset. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a lot of people that we see, they haven't had that particular mm-hmm. advantage. And so mm-hmm. trying to unpack, you know, how can we foster that in people who might not have you know, had experiences that have helped them in mm-hmm. that way. I wouldn't have wanted a lot of those experiences, though, if I'm being honest. But yeah, it, it has helped me to build my resilience. Um, but I think in terms of how we can help others, it's about if you're not struggling now, you're not facing any challenges, which is totally fine. Um, thinking about learning a new skill, so something that might be challenging, which re- will require resilience, and then you can build those resilience muscles. And then when you're in a challenging situation, for example, maybe feeling stressed at work, you're able to apply those skills and you've already got that confidence and that memory knowing that actually, you know, I was learning a new skill. Initially, it was quite tough, but actually you were able to kind of navigate and grow through that. Then it's about applying it to, to other situations and being able to draw upon all of those experiences. And that's what I've done in my yeah in my life so I always think for me well if I've unfortunately lost my mum nothing else is going to compare to that so come on girl you you can get through this (laughs) yeah yeah I can see that and I I guess there's something there about being able to recognize that it might not feel like it but you will find an advantage in this adversity yeah And I was thinking, you know, just what you said, that you wouldn't have chosen any of those experiences that you've had. Not at all. (laughs) But at what point did you start to recognise the advantage? Was it, you know, as an adult when you were kind of coming to this work? Mm -hmm. Or did you become aware of it before then? I was probably aware of it before then, but I probably didn't give it too much attention. But I would say it's probably the last probably the last um maybe the last 10 years and as I've been more focused on resilience and building it and also helping others as well to build their their resilience muscles as well it caused me to reflect upon why am I so um resilient and also I've you know my siblings we're we're resilient to varying degrees so I've also compared myself to that. And also there's, there's um, our personality has an impact on resilience and genetics. There's a combination of, of, of factors that, co- that contribute towards resilience. 
So I think for me, some of it's probably environmental. I'll probably say a large part of it, of it is. But also I am fortunate that um, my personality type is I'm just very optimistic. <laughs> Even if I hadn't have gone through these challenges, that, that's just me. I'm just like, yeah, and a bit of an extrovert. Nothing's going to stop me. I just, I'm just focused on where I'm going. Nothing's going to stop me. And whatever it takes, I will achieve and accomplish that, that growth mindset. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think a lot of people will probably listen to this and want to explore that model a bit further. And mm-hmm. um, so just to mention your podcast here quickly, because I think mm-hmm. if you're interested in this model, that's probably the best place to start, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the Rivers to Resilience podcast. Yes. And where can people find that? Is it everywhere? So it's on all platforms, all, all platforms, Spotify, um, Google Podcast, yeah, all of them. <laughs> Just type it in Google, you'll find it. And it's Brilliant. I just wanted to get a plug website. in there because I figured, yeah. you know, people would definitely be listening to this and wanting to follow up with the model. Mm-hmm. So don't leave this episode, guys. Stick with <laughs> us. <laughs> and I just wanted you to know that you can follow up and find out more about it over there. Um, but I wanted to ask you as well, like, is there anything that you particularly need to do now working as a therapist to protect your own resilience? Because... Mm-hmm. You know, I think there are times and there are cases that we all deal with which can really test your resilience to Mm -hmm. to the limit sometimes. So is there anything particular you do to look after that? Yeah, I would say for me, um, I always reflect that's just (laughs) who I am. But I think probably it's it's to do with being a therapist. And I know it probably annoys some people loved ones because I've reflected literally on everything and I'm a bit of a processor I've got to process everything don't um, worry you're in safe company yeah. here we all oh, love that fantastic. we're all about that yeah <laughs> so that that helps me to build my resilience muscles it helps me with my decision making and helps to ensure that I'm making the right decisions and they're going to build my um resilience I'm always aware of my mindset and why I might be I'm feeling a bit stressed or worried or whatever, whatever it might be. So it's that self-awareness, essentially. And physical health is important to me. So I go to the gym three times a week. That's for me, that is critical. And I literally, yesterday I went to the gym, I literally dragged myself. I was so tired, but you know, you just got to discipline yourself and go. And you know, it's Monday now, and I feel very refreshed and invigorated because I know I've yeah I was at the gym I was working out the body because that mind body um connection is very powerful so it's important to 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 look after it and I do some long working days so I do go to sometimes to the gym in the middle of the day as well and that just helps me to get to get through the day because it can be quite intense um working in private practice but just working as a therapist we've got to look after ourselves self-care is critical there's no point in helping all of our clients when we're not actually looking after ourselves so I'm very much a believer in you know we've got to practice what we preach and taking a holistic approach to that I was just sharing that with one of my clients this morning and yeah there are some of the things that I do and then also um, because I'm a Christian spirituality that's really important to me so praying meditating all of that helps with my overall well-being and some of these things that I do I would say it's it's just become part of my daily routine, daily and weekly routine. So I don't necessarily 
think about it so much. It's just become aut automatic now. So it's knowing that those building blocks are always there and they're part of your routine. Yes. Yes. That are not, they're not things that you would compromise. Yes, definitely not. And I know that if I've not been to the gym, if I've missed a, a day because of my schedule's changed, I know that I've got to fit it in. Like I went to the gym on Sunday. I usually go on Saturday, but I couldn't go. But I knew I had to get it in and I had to end the week on a high. So I'm ready and prepared for whatever the week's going to throw at me. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it is that kind of lack of... Um, Oh, what's the word? It's almost, no, it's not what I mean. I mean, you're being flexible about it because you're allowing yourself to change your schedule, but you're not, yeah. you're not willing to compromise on you. Mm -hmm. And I think when I, you know, cause I speak to loads of psychologists and therapists for, for yeah. the podcast and also as part yeah. of the psychology business school membership. Mm -hmm. And often when people are really in a state of burnout, that's the person that they will screw over is them. <laughs> Mm -hmm. so it'll be oh no I'll, I'll take an extra zoom call rather than going to the gym mm -hmm. um and they never catch up with that it's not about okay I'll reallocate it flexibly mm -hmm. it's I'll take it off the schedule yeah. um and I think as soon as we start doing that not just with the physical health with with all of it whether it's yeah. you know, praying meditation whether it's catching up with loved ones or friends mm -hmm. you know those are the things we tend to take off the table when yeah. we're struggling for space when mm -hmm. actually you know we we're important aren't we we're half yeah. of a therapeutic relationship we are oh, and and it's very demanding being a therapist or psychologist emotionally and I think sometimes we underestimate the impact that it has on us and we've got to think about well who who, who is looking after us what 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 is our outlook and it, it, I would say it's it's just a, it's a decision that you've got to make and be committed to. And it comes back to that self-awareness, understanding what's preventing you from actually prioritizing your needs. And, you know, having an extra Zoom call, is it really, really worth it? If it's going to compromise your, you know, your overall health and, um, and well-being, it's all about balance, essentially, isn't it? And I would say aligning with your values and that's something that I've been prioritizing probably like the past couple of years. And, you know, I do draw upon some of the ACT um, approaches to therapy as well. And, you know, committed action and lining with your values. And, and I know for me, you know, working out, and it's not just the act of working out. For me, it's actually going to the gym. I'm all into experiences. I, I, you know, it's got all the spa facilities, all of that. And being in that environment helps to build my resilience and, and well-being and, and, um, increases my kind of self-love because I'm telling myself that I'm worth it and that is why I am here and I need it to function so I would say that for everyone listen that it's important to align with your values we're, we're helping our clients too but what about us what's important to us yeah no I think that's so important I mean just one example I can think of which is so straightforward but one thing that I am really bad at is you know making time to have lunch in the day mm -hmm. I would never miss breakfast I never miss tea mm -hmm. but I miss lunch all the time mm -hmm. um if I'm not conscious about it right and if I do that a few days in a row I start to feel really sad ah 
right that's interesting yes and I reflected on this and I thought well that is because you're basically saying you don't care about yourself as much as you care about everyone else you would never not feed your children at lunchtime but you're not feeding you and what does your inner child make of that and so now I force myself to you know make something for Mm -hmm. myself and I notice a really big difference but again it's that self-awareness piece isn't it it would be so easy to do that and to almost not notice Mm -hmm. um but if we're taking that first step and reflecting then Mm -hmm. you catch yourself (laughs) yeah and you can put stuff in place Mm -hmm. to to protect your resilience a bit better yes yes I think that's really interesting and I'm interested as well that's really um insightful for me um because are you thinking about it now (laughs) I am I mean I always have maybe I don't have enough time but I can't function without lunch essentially I get headaches so yeah but it's it's just interesting we're we're so we're all unique and individual aren't we Um, yeah yeah and and I think um yeah it depends on kind of how your brain works and also just what's important to you I mean there are lots of people that wouldn't mean the same thing for Mm -hmm. um but for me was making my inner child sad (laughs) so I think yeah it is always about being in touch with that part of you isn't it Mm -hmm. yes um so I guess I was just curious about the way that you work now because I kind of know a bit from following you what you're up to yeah um but what are the different projects that you're bringing this knowledge to at the moment yeah so there's the I guess the three arms to the business three projects so there's the the therapy side, um, cognitive behaviour therapy is a main approach, but also drawing upon third wave therapies, taking an integrative approach. So working with children and um, young people, children, young people and adults who are struggling with a range of difficulties. And there's also the coaching side of the business, which is a kind of a newer arm of the business. And that's focused on helping individuals with kind of mindset coaching, performance coaching as well. And then also there's resilience coaching, which is also li- linked with the an offshoot of the Rivers to Resilience model. So providing that in organisations in the corporate space, and then that ties in with the training arm of the business, which is newer. That we've been um, delivering training for a, a couple of years now, and I I love it. I love the I love that. It, it's for me, it's so rewarding having um, having an impact on large groups of, of, of individuals. Who may not necessarily, who may not even think about therapy, or may not even be considering their their well being. So that's the the other arm of the of the business. And other projects that we'll be looking at in the future is running lunchtime well being sessions. So that's quite exciting. Just in the process of recruit, well, recruiting, we've already got them. We've got a um, we're expanding. We've got a well-being assistant who is a psychology graduate so they will literally be starting in the next week or two so that's really exciting and that role and that additional support will just allow us to to expand further and then also I have done some television work it's not been released yet but I've done television work so watch out you'll see me it will be plastered all over my socials actually when it's yeah when I can share about it but that's also something um that I'm doing and I've always been interested in doing tv work the media and more recently I I would say it's been a passion of mine because 
I think during in the midst of COVID and with um, everything that happened with George Floyd, it highlighted to me as a as a therapist um, that I need to probably be more visible and and vocal. So in any profession, I think it's important that individuals, regardless of your background, you've got access to role models. And there's not a lot of diversity in, in psychotherapy or psychology. So yeah. I feel that I need to kind of lift my head above the parapet and let people know that I'm here. If you want to be a therapist, you can. Or if you might want to um, consider therapy, you may think that it's not diverse or there's not um, therapists from diverse backgrounds, Black, Asian, Chinese, whatever background, but actually they do exist. So that's also another reason why I've been open to it. But I also, I'm an extrovert, so I don't mind talking. <laughs> I'm not afraid of the cameras. Yeah. But I, I think it's a really happy combination because to be a, you know, a black therapist out there, mm-hmm. sticking your head up and saying, look, I'm here. Mm-hmm. You've got to be really resilient. <laughs> you do. You, you do. And I would say it's probably only because I'm in private practice that that I'm more confident in doing it because in the NHS, I w- yeah, I wouldn't have felt comfortable or confident at all. But it's probably more recent that I've realised that actually I'm bringing something slightly different. I don't think I realised it before. I was probably trying to suppress it. Well, I won't let me be honest. I was just trying to suppress it and fit in. But actually, I wasn't made to fit in. I was made to stand out. So I'm here to stand out and just be my authentic self as a therapist because my clients regardless of their background I work with everyone from all backgrounds but regardless of their background they're going to get the best from from the service when I'm just myself rather than trying to be who I think people want me to be I think that's so powerful and it does shine through with everything that you put out there. I was actually showing your Instagram accounts um, to some of my psychology business school members um, the oh, other day. It's a really nice example of how values and authenticity can shine through. And it doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily always about spending a million hours in Canva making something mm-hmm. super no. polished. Sometimes it's about showing your face, yeah. showing your passion. Mm-hmm. That's something that you do so well. Mm-hmm think that oh, it's you. going to be powerful for a lot of people yeah um and it's I'm really journey. glad that you're doing tv work you're absolutely <laughs> made for it you're going to be oh, brilliant thank you thank you it's a journey of, of vulnerability it's not been easy but I just thought you, you've got to do it you've got to do it but I think for me it, it's as I've built my resilience muscles and as I've transitioned through my own challenges going through a divorce and many other stuff and now that I'm on the other side and I feel that, you know, I had a bit of counselling and I feel whole and that's the past. So I'm able to share those experiences because the reality is that's made me who I am. So I can't, I can't ignore it. And a lot of, sometimes people just need to, to know that and feel heard. So I just feel like, well, you know, what have you got to lose? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what a good note to end on. I feel yeah. like there are so many people um, who will feel inspired by what you've talked about here. Mm-hmm. And I hope some of those people might feel able to be a bit more visible themselves mm-hmm. or maybe foster that, start working on that resilience now so that they can mm-hmm. do some of those things which their values are telling them they really want to do. But mm-hmm. there may be some other aspect holding them back. Yeah, yeah. So, I suspect a lot of people are going to want to learn more from you and connect with you after this. Where's the best places for them to find you? 
Yeah, we're on all social media platforms. We're on LinkedIn, Smartina Motivator, Twitter, all the businesses on there, Rapper Therapy and Training Services, Instagram, Twitter, where else is it? Facebook, everywhere. I think Instagram, you, you probably, you get a feel of who I am on Instagram. Yeah, you really do. authentic me. I would never post some of that stuff on on, um, on LinkedIn. But yeah, the authentic Martina is on, on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, check it out. It's a really good example. Um, what? Yeah, one of my favourite accounts to follow at the moment. Um, so do find Martina on Instagram. I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but also you have got a book, which I think a lot of people would be oh, interested yeah. in. How can I forget? Yes. Plug book. your book. <laughs> yes, resilience in the workplace. So it's focusing on how, how you can um, shift from surviving to thriving in the workplace, in business and as an entrepreneur. That's available on Amazon. So feel free to yeah, check it out and have a listen to our podcast if you want to learn how to build your resilience. Brilliant. And I think that would be really useful for so many of us. So thank you so much for joining us today, Martina. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. It's been such an enjoyable experience. Thank you so much for listening to the Business of Psychology podcast. I'd really appreciate it if you could take the time to subscribe, rate and review the show. It helps more mental health professionals just like you to find us. And it also means a lot to me personally when I read the reviews. Thank you in advance and we'll see you next week for another episode of Practical Strategy and Inspiration to move your independent practice forwards.